0: I've been a little at a loss for words the last few days, trying to use the Dharma. I've been practicing the Dharma for so long now, it's just a natural framework, but that doesn't mean I don't have to activate it, enliven it in my consciousness, even though it's been several decades of practice and I I tend to think things through um, with the Dharma in mind. When life becomes intense, then it requires more intense reflection, and I've uh, been really thinking a lot about how we can really remind ourselves how powerful the Dharma is in times like these, and what it can actually do. What is it? What are we going to use it for? It's nice to aspire to be free, but what, what kind of work are we going to actually do with our meditation practice? How can we use it to encourage ourselves to show up as compassionate and loving beings? What can we do with that? So I did want to offer... I sat down today, and I did some brainstorming, and I just wrote down a bunch of ideas I had. And so I'll hit a few tonight and maybe a few next week as the thoughts come, become clearer. But tonight I wanted to talk about present moment awareness. As, as most of you know, I tend to focus significantly on Vipassana and traditional Vipassana practice, which is a combination of letting go and cultivating states of consciousness and combines the two in a balance. And so I don't often talk as much about equanimity or letting go since there's so much of that um, that's available to you. I, I try to focus on the other things that are not much available to give you a different perspective. But today I want to return to mindfulness as a factor of awakening, this idea of present moment awareness and how we might be able to rely on it in this time to help us get grounded, to get centered, and to create a space for ourselves where we can act skillfully with compassion. And uh, help ourselves to help others. And so I wanted to speak a little bit about present moment awareness in this context and what we might be able to be attuned to as our thoughts, feelings, emotions, moods arise and pass away. And instead of working on some of the fabrication that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, we would instead of fabricating we would just be present with what is so for us moment to moment and really get a clear picture of what that is and in this context i think it's important to remember that that mindfulness as a skill as a factor of enlightenment is really a process of deep attentive listening it is a form of listening to oneself it is a form of leaning in to the moment And listening to the truth of what is arising and passing away and even with our fabrication practices we still must start with this truth what is going on in this moment in my body in my mind in my heart is it expanded or contracted is it tense is it uh light dense do i have blind spots in my awareness is there a sense of ease or well-being what is happening in this moment what sensations are arising and passing away how is my breath in this moment so mindfulness is a deep listening it's a deep attentiveness where we literally take awareness and we touch down on the truth and reality of present moment moment experience and as you know i like to say the present moment is the only place that reality is in fact occurring and so Mindfulness is a way of listening to reality. It's about being in touch with, grounded in and present to the reality and truth of the present moment where our existence is really occurring. And so in light of that, I think we should take that as our framework for what I'm about to say as far as listening deeply, listening closely and looking for truth. Naturally, in the Dharma, the first thing we're looking for aside from the actual sensations of what is arising and passing away, is suffering. In this moment, where is the dukkha? Where is the suffering? Where in my heart? Where in my mind? Where in my surroundings, internal, external, where is the suffering? So we are looking at not only what is arising and passing away, but we have a framework where we're reaching out into the world, inward, outward, and asking ourselves in the truth of this moment, where is the pain? Where is the contraction? Where can I act skillfully in a way to reduce suffering? And that is the way we approach this present moment experience. Today, I believe is the ninth day since George Floyd was killed, murdered, if you will. Days and days of protests, several days of rioting, much grief, much sorrow, much shock, much trauma. And in the wave of all of this, there has been this flood of energy. Most of us are getting this energy through the media, social media in particular, the news and social media where we're watching all of this dukkha unfold, all of this suffering unfold. And the symbolism of suffering for a legacy of despair arise right before our eyes in real time. So it's been nine days of this energy and this emotion, this flood, this opening of a wound, or if you might say the the bringing of the wound into clarity, not that it wasn't there before, of course. But this wound opens up and this energy floods in to our personal space, hits our sense doors, and awareness meets these sensations that arise, these thoughts, these feelings, as we take all of this in. And it can be overwhelming. I know it has been for me. It can be confusing. Mindfulness can allow us to cut through the noise. Mindfulness, when practiced regularly and properly, brings clarity. Clarity of vision, inner vision, but clarity of vision to what is arising and passing away. One of the things we can use mindfulness for in this time is to cut through some of this noise, some of this energy, so we can really see clearly, where is the suffering? Because until we can see the suffering clearly, it is hard for us to, to ask ourselves or navigate, well, what is the action I need to take? What is the compassionate, most skillful, loving, and wise thing I can do in this moment? It's hard to answer that question until we can become really clear and present with what it is we're actually feeling in the present moment what is it that we're actually seeing and touching with our heart and mind with all of these images and these experiences and these reactivities that come from within and from without this is a perfect opportunity to use your mindfulness to get in touch with the truth of what you're experiencing it is easy to get overwhelmed and flooded with so much sensory input much of it very, at least visually, intense, traumatizing even, that it's hard to see clearly what's going on underneath. So mindfulness can allow us to peel back some of the energy, peel back some of these layers, and to get a clearer perspective on what's arising and passing away and allow us to gain a clearer path on how we might move forward. So I wanted to start with a reminder and it's a stark reminder, so I'm going to say that to to begin with. But I'm going to remind us of what happened a week and a half ago. I would invite you to close your eyes if it's comfortable. You don't have to close your eyes, but I would invite you to close your eyes for a minute or two. And I would like to just describe something for you. And I would invite you to take mindfulness and Be in touch with the body, be in touch with thoughts and be in touch with feelings as you hear these words. And keep in mind this will be stark, but I think it's important that we use mindfulness to lean into the truth of suffering, because that is the task at hand. In order to transcend suffering, we first must meet it. And we must meet it even in its darkest expression. So I don't think we can ignore this experience. So get comfortable, bring mindfulness to body and watch how the mind and heart respond to this. About nine days ago, a man was murdered openly in public. About nine days ago, a man was murdered openly in public. about nine days ago a black man was murdered openly in public by a white man while three other white men stood by and did nothing a black man was murdered openly in public by a white police officer while three other white police officers stood by and did nothing. A black man by the name of George Floyd who was handcuffed and laying down in the street, was murdered openly in public by a white police officer, while three other white police officers stood by and did nothing, while George pled for his life. This is the truth of present moment experience this happened some of us saw the video how does the heart and mind react in the light of this truth Watching violence and experience violence vicariously can be traumatizing. And as a nation, we are now involved collectively in this trauma. The truth that a man was murdered openly in public. And then we have the results. Days of protest, rioting, grief, an explosion of grief. What is it to respond to such a dukkha? In thought, in body, in feeling, in mood, How does the heart and mind respond inside? This is where we begin to know the truth. This is where we go to illuminate wise action. This is where we go to cultivate compassion. And this is where we go to begin to walk the path of peace. First and foremost, present moment awareness of this reality. One of the lessons of the Dharma is that we do not turn away from dukkha. We use dukkha as an opportunity to grow. We use dukkha as an opportunity to cultivate wisdom and compassion and connectivity and community. And this experience is no different. The Dharma would suggest that we lean in and open our hearts to this moment to first and foremost be present to how our hearts and minds are arising and passing away with all of these different feelings these moods and to really be in touch with them and from there we can then ask questions of what can i do but before we do that we we really must ask how do we feel we must go in deeply in touch with awareness the reality of the response When we look at what happened, I think it is important to remember that in part, what we're seeing and experiencing is grief. Not the grief of a single loss of life, but the grief of loss of life that has been going on for quite some time. That is the nature of the institutional racism and the institutional abuse that is coming to light Not that it hasn't been available for us to understand and comprehend, but in this moment it is coming to light culturally in a way that most of us have never seen. And it is an expression of grief. Riots are not rational. Looting is not rational. Because grief is not rational. An explosion of grief is what we're seeing. And I think it's important for us to remember that in order to cultivate empathy and compassion, we must first remember that what we're seeing is pain. What we're seeing is frustration. What we're seeing is helplessness, hopelessness, fatigue. Mindfulness can help us get beneath the surface to see the grief in the burning of buildings, and the sadness at the heart of looting, and the helplessness and hopelessness that's evoked in the anger and the protests. With a clear mind, we can go beneath the surface to see the truth of the dukkha. clear out some of the noise of argument and debate and go right to the pain to really step in with our fellow humans who have been exploited and systematically, systematically, I don't even know what the word is to be quite honest in this moment, injured in a way that's beyond my imagining being a middle-class white male. Mindfulness can help us get in touch and be empathetic to what is happening to the truth of the suffering that's gone on far too long. It is a blessing to be a meditator for this reason, because most of the time our hearts and minds are programmed to turn away, to turn away from the stark reality of suffering. But as meditators, we know that we lean in. The first noble truth says there is suffering. Second noble truth says there's a cause to know the cause means we have to lean in and touch it directly with our heart and mind. We can't turn away. And this is where the benefit and gift of having practiced all of us together in this room, we have the skills to bring mindfulness to this moment and really hold the space for others and ourselves. I'm confident we can do that. That we can touch the grief and be with it and support those who are experiencing it because we have the ability to be present. And we know that being present and not looking away is the skillful thing to do. Now, as we touch down on this grief, as we, as we see the images and hear the debates and the protests and the cries and the rage, our heart and mind is going to react. It's going to react in a very natural fashion. And I wanted to, to remind us that while we honor the pain and grief that we are seeing and, and experiencing, we also have to honor all of the other emotions that pass through. We might feel scared. We might feel tired. We might feel numb, ambivalent, paralyzed even. I yesterday I felt very heavy. And that's okay. Allowing the heart and mind to respond in whatever is arising and allowing that to be okay. In these kind of situations where we feel hopeless or helpless, it's natural for us to feel I'm not doing enough, or I can't do enough quick enough to help, or I don't know how to help. And that sense of paralysis is completely natural in this kind of situation. I would invite you to give yourself permission to feel that if that's what's arising. It's okay to feel lost, confused, and without direction as how to help. We start with present moment awareness and leaning into the suffering. We start there. Because we can do that inside. We don't turn away. That we can do. And even if the next step of what can I do about that does not arise, it is okay to feel at a loss as what that next step is for yourself. Perfectly reasonable. It's okay to not know what to say or to do. Human beings are designed to feel multiple emotions at the same time, often conflicting emotions. So in these kind of situations, you can use mindfulness to see the details where in one moment you're going to feel fatigued and scared, and the next moment you'll feel nothing. You'll feel numbness, tiredness, a feeling of wanting to turn it all off and turn off the TV and get away from social media. It's okay to feel two things at once, even if they're conflicting. It's also okay to have moments of ease and self care. If we do not take care of ourselves, how can we take care of others? It is okay in times of crisis to remember that we can feel paralyzed and scared and angry and concerned, but need to take moments of self care and well being to breathe, to get in touch with our tranquility and our relaxation. We may still need to take a walk or to get away from the sensory stimulation. It doesn't mean you are not supporting the protesters, doesn't mean you're not supporting the issues at hand. But we have to remember that if we're not grounded, if we're not stable in heart and mind, we cannot support others in doing so. So give yourself permission to have the self-care that you need To be in this situation, to lean into the suffering, you have to be able to get the self-care. Otherwise, you'll be overwhelmed. Another thing I wanted to point out, as far as what we're experiencing, I know a lot of people are experiencing, is a desire to participate, to help, assist, to understand, but not knowing exactly what the right thing is for us, right, us as individuals. As a therapist, I'm gonna take a particular perspective on this and it may not be the proper perspective for you but I'm gonna say this more as a therapist in my experience of working with folks with trauma and in crisis, Um, I've done a lot of crisis work. The right thing for you to do may be to join the protest. The right thing for you to do may be to not join a protest, and either one is okay. Every person in this digital Dharma hall in this virtual space has to be able to express their compassion in their own way. I would invite you to really get in touch with what is the skillful way for you to express support for George Floyd, his family, and our fellow humans who are in despair. It may be that you join a protest. It may be that you post something on social media, or it may not be that, and that is okay too. In times of crisis, what you're seeing on social media is a lot of bullying, intimidating behaviors, arguing, of course, it's human beings. Human beings do this when they're not in crisis, and when they're in crisis, they do it even more so. But I wanted you to use mindfulness to attune yourself to your needs in regards to what is skillful and healthy for you and how you feel like you can participate and it's okay to feel like participating by talking with your family or educating yourself online about white supremacy or meeting with a person over zoom and talking about the sorrow maybe that's what you need to do maybe that's your support maybe your support is more active in a different way it depends on the person Participating out of guilt or shame or a sense of obligation, and I've said this before in other talks, when human beings engage in habit patterns under duress, the habit patterns don't stick. So it's really important with mindfulness to ask yourself, what is my true expression of support? What is my authentic compassion in this moment? It doesn't mean you wouldn't push yourself beyond comfort zone doesn't mean you wouldn't try something on you've never tried before, but it does mean to be honest and authentic to who you are as a person, remembering that you are also in this relationship with the circumstance. Oftentimes online, when folks are struggling, we see clearly that we've been asked to stand up, to join. And we've also been told that silence puts us into the category of the oppressor. Silence doesn't necessarily mean literally not speaking. There are ways of speaking that work for you that may not be physically engaging in a protest. And I wanted to just really clarify that. It is difficult in a time of crisis for our fellow humans, for people of color who've been exploited, to say, we need you. It can't just be us protesting. You have to join us. You have to speak up. And what they're saying is, we need your support. We need your assistance. We need you to join us in this moment. We cannot do it alone anymore. We all need to participate in ending the violence and this destruction. But in the heat of the moment, oftentimes when those requests are made online, it comes off as if you don't do this specific thing, then you're a bad person. Or if you don't participate in this way, you're not really helping. And please take that in the context of the crisis. Please see that in the context of someone really, really wanting your support and help. And maybe in that moment is not asking in a way that you can hear it or in a way that feels supportive to you. But this is a time of crisis and intensity and things are not gonna be clean and rational and beautiful and simple. And so I'm gonna encourage you to listen to the requests of those in pain. Listen to them deeply, authentically, Bring mindfulness to those requests and then ask yourself authentically based on this request to join and support these people. What is it that I can truly do that feels okay for me in my heart, in my mind, in this moment and in that authenticity act? That's where skillful action comes in the Dharma, reflecting authentically, cultivating compassion and then acting. And again, I'm saying this as a therapist because I know I've talked to a lot of students recently who've come to me and said I feel quiet and and I don't know what to do and and am I part of the problem because now I'm not posting on social media or I don't have a social media account and I don't know what to say. We need to think of this as a really intense time of crisis and our communication may not be clear and eloquent and we just really need to listen for the pain and listen for the requests underneath that pain and then get in touch with our present moment experience and decide what is compassionate and skillful for us and safe for us and what are we willing to do. So I would encourage you to act. I would encourage you to support. I would encourage you to not turn away, but also simultaneously balance that using mindfulness to figure out in your own heart and mind what works for you and honor that as well. Don't take yourself out of the equation because what's helpful for me to participate might not be helpful or skillful for somebody else. Being a part of PIMC is a really important thing for me in my life. And I know for a lot of you, PIMC has been such a supportive environment. And I really think that as a community, we do have an opportunity to publicly make a declaration of support for the protesters, for the people of color, for George Floyd, his family, and all of the grief that we're seeing. And to really able as a community to speak up collectively and say hey we support you we hear your grief we hear the anger and we are standing here with you whether we are on the street or in our homes we are here for you and we will do what we can to support this movement the dharma has these two parts the inward journey which is so personalized so much on the interior that other people don't get to see but then the other two-thirds of the path are the wise action parts which is physically being in the world and speaking truth, being truth, and assisting others. Two-thirds of the path have to do with skillful actions. And the Dharma is unique in that way, that it's not as much about seeking truth as it is finding truth so one can become it in a physical manifestation of relatedness to other beings. That's what I've always loved about the Dharma in regards to its action parts. But oftentimes when we spend so much time meditating in these groups, obviously, we meditate and we do the interior work. But the idea is that we then take that inner journey and express it outward into the world. Let us take a few minutes as we close tonight to do some meta. It is as appropriate as ever. I wanted to thank you all for sharing in this experience. I was so looking forward to having having you here and being with you. It is such an interesting journey to be experiencing life with you all in this way and as always i'm always grateful for you allowing me to play this role because it enhances my life so greatly and it's just a wonderful opportunity to be able to share and experience in this way so thank you again for coming and being together with me in the dharma let's take a minute or two to be comfortable and let's wish well for all beings as we come to a close Let us sit back into the sensation of the body again. It's been 90 minutes reminding ourselves that we've been sitting. Take a long, slow, deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth with the intention of relaxing the body, letting all that stress go. Take another long, slow, deep breath in. Breathe in compassion. And breathe out all that stress and tension. Breathing in the purity of tranquility and joy While breathing out the greed, the hatred, the delusion. We breathe in calm. We breathe out the suffering. We can breathe in wisdom and breathe out skillful action we can use the path of the Dharma to open our hearts open our minds and translate that awakening into the service of others and with that aspiration we come together week to week wishing that all beings are free from suffering. May all beings be safe. May all beings be secure. May all beings know true freedom, true love and true happiness in this lifetime. And may we all be a service to that end. May all beings share in the merits of our practice. We practice for ourselves, but ultimately without service to others, this aspiration rings hollow. So let us bring real attention to love real attention to compassion, real attention to wisdom, and dig deep and find ways of taking that wisdom and taking that open heartedness and ensure that all of our fellow humans are free from suffering. you my friends for sharing your heart and mind with me lots of love and support reach out if you need me thanks for being so supportive tonight i really appreciate it we'll meet again next week